Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins. Very exciting episode this week. Not only do we have the final NWSL regular season table, we know who's going to be in the playoffs, but we also have a first time guest, and that's also very exciting. Uh, Joining me today is Courtney Stith of the Diaspora United podcast, and she's out and about. uh, She's everywhere. Honestly, you are... (laughs) You, you are a, a perennial podcast guest elsewhere. Had to get you on here. How's it going, Courtney? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so you, I mean, you got to, you got to be there today to see, to see the Gotham game, um, which actually ended up not being quite as significant as maybe we thought it was going to be because we ended up having the playoff picture decided in the first game of Sunday. So I'm real quick, just going to run down the official results of the NWSL regular season, and then we will get into it. So as everybody already knows, Portland Thorns, they had their shield ceremony that was already clinched. They uh, did draw their game this weekend, not that it really mattered for them. Uh, so they get first. Oh, all right. Finalized second this weekend with a win against Kansas City. So they will have the other quarterfinal by they will host a semifinal. Third, Washington Spirit, which I'm not sure five or six weeks ago I would have expected. They have been on a brilliant run of form in the last five or six weeks. Um, so they get third on like, I think, what, like a eight game unbeaten streak. Really impressive from them. Chicago clinched a top four spot with a win against Orlando on Friday night. So that's your top four. All four of those teams are going to be hosting playoff games. We'll talk about this in depth once we get through here. So in fifth, we have Gotham. Gotham will be traveling to Chicago for the, the first semifinal, or sorry, quarterfinal of next weekend. And then in sixth, now I have to eat a little bit of crow here because I did not think that the North Carolina Courage were going to make it to the playoffs this year. I thought this was going to go to the Houston Dash, but in sixth, we have the North Carolina Courage who did the thing that they needed to do, which was not lose in Portland. And then the poor... Houston dash just falling behind the line (laughs) one point away from a playoff spot. They get seventh. As we already knew, Orlando eighth, uh, Louisville ninth, Kansas city 10th. So Courtney, we'll start big picture and then we'll talk about specific teams. Surprises here for you. Yeah. I was also surprised that uh, Houston was a team that dropped out just like, for example, knowing all of the fun tiebreaker rules in the NWSL, um, but also they just like, all they needed was a tie. And um, besides, you know, I feel like kind of a fluke loss, maybe to Portland, like maybe you could call their recent loss to Portland a fluke. Um, The Kansas city loss, I think surprised genuinely everyone, but besides that, They'd been in like a pretty good run of form. Rachel Daly was, you know, bagging a whole bunch of goals. And so I thought like, oh, yeah, maybe they won't beat Washington. But I definitely thought, okay, they can get a tie. Right. It seemed like North Carolina opened the door, right, for Houston just to kind of walk right in. And and the funny thing is, in that way, we've seen some teams, teams, the teams in fifth and sixth in Gotham and in uh, North Carolina, they in in different ways have sort of you know, not messed up so bad to a point where they fell out, but we've also seen some teams get that door open for them and they walk right through it. Right. So like Chicago has had a nice run of form recently for points that they really needed to pick up. They picked up those points. Um, You saw what Washington has been able to do in recent weeks. And so to have Houston have it right in front of them, like here's exactly what you need to do. Um, It's more likely that you'll achieve this than you won't. 
and they weren't able to get it done. Maybe Houston is, you know, Houston is the headline here. So let's talk about it. So um, maybe my question, my, my next question is this. This was a good game. I actually, I got to see this game. This game was really, really high level stuff, even though it was just a, a 1-0 game. Washington is playing really well right now. There's no uh, no shame in losing to the Washington spirit at this moment. I don't think they're going to be the last team that loses to Washington this year. But it also kind of encapsulates their whole year, right? Which is that in a year where you just have to kind of grind the points out where you can get them, Houston has these games where they're blowing people out five, four to one, but they were never able to string those results together. And so despite the fact that things have been better in recent weeks, it all came down to this game and they weren't able to get it done. So maybe here, here's my, here's my question again for you, Courtney is, does this feel like they had the big game in front of them and they couldn't get it done? Or does it feel like, well, this began maybe at the beginning of the season when they were not picking up points that they needed to be picking up. That's a really good question, but I think, I think it's the big game in front of them and they just didn't pull it off because, yeah. you know, they did, I feel like post Olympics, like really kind of by the turn of September, they had been putting together really good performances, like solid um, wins. Like it's actually funny. I'm looking at their, like basically their season in review. So like how many wins, how many draws, like it all on the line. And it's actually kind of hilarious because they like could not, for example, put together a run of good form, but also a run of bad form. Like it wasn't like they had, you know, a bunch of consecutive losses or anything like that. Um, So I think for me, and also thinking about, for example, the players that they have um, and thinking about how they played, for example, in challenge cup in 2020 and were able to, you know, like, be able to just grind out like, Hey, we got seven games in front of us. I mm-hmm. thought going into the playoffs, they would kind of get that same mentality and that this game against Washington would be like their first playoff, playoff game. game. And then they would use it as a rallying cry for the rest. No, I agree. And I even thought in this game, that first half was great. That first half was, they were taking it, they were taking it to, to Washington. Okay. So this is the next thing here. And it's interesting to be criticizing a coach just for their coaching. Cause this has been a year where we've been talking about a lot of the other stuff, but Houston, Houston has compiled this group of players that has a very specific identity. We saw that in 2020, right? Like when they're able to pull that mm-hmm. off, it's like they're flying and it's really cool, but the grind of a regular season has been a struggle for them because they have these high highs and these low lows. And it felt like we saw all of that just in this game where they come out swinging the game is very open. They're trying to move. They sit their midfielders a little bit further back. They are, they haven't one eye on not giving up a goal. Cause they know that that's what they need to do. It's a little bit of playing for a draw. And then in the second half of this game, they start really playing for a draw. They make a couple substitutes to get into a five back. They're playing a five, four, one. They almost immediately concede to to Trinity Rodman. Really nice goal by Trinity Rodman. Now again, disrespectful as a goal. I know. (laughs) I saw that replay and I said, "You you watch it like this teen. (laughs) You got to watch out." I'm like, "That you talk about spooky, scary. She's on the. She's out here. (laughs) She'll get you." Um. So it's it felt like Houston. This is maybe a little bit dramatic, but it felt a little bit dramatic. Houston maybe betrayed their identity and and that cost them the season. And I I agree with you that when you talk about the big game, 
you can talk about the other draft results, all of that sort of stuff, but that was everyone, right? Like everybody came down to these last couple of weeks. So you have to win the games in front of you and they weren't able to do that. So my question for you, Courtney is James Clarkson deserves a lot of credit for the group that he's put together. Should Houston take a long look at whether he's the tactical guy though? Cause it seems like they've had this problem throughout the year. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've thought a lot about their season thinking, for example, at times they have Jasmine Spencer at outside back, they moved Jimmy Fields to outside back, you know, it kind of felt like, and also thinking, for example, about the Olympic break and really losing the spot at times, like the, the spine, spine of their team. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think they honestly should. I mean, to be fair, I think every team should look at that, but I think, yeah. especially with Houston, given that they really didn't have any, big stretches where they were winning a whole bunch of games or even just not losing a whole bunch of games or even a losing stretch. Like at least that shows you if things are really working or things really aren't working, but for the past to me for the past season, it's just kind of been like pitter patter. Like sometimes they will pick up a huge result and then sometimes they'll lose and you're like, okay, well I can kind of see that, um, that they should like, like really look at Clarkson and it's like, is if he is, because also like, just a rotation of players, putting players in different positions, things like that. Like there need to me, it's like, you need to create a system and like, sometimes that system will fail, but at least then you have something to bounce back on. Yeah, I agree. I think you're totally right. I think that especially because who Houston is, is, is so clear. They are a high press, uh, quick trigger counter kind of a team. And it seemed like sometimes depending on who he had, where and why he had them there, he even did not set them out to say, okay, we're going to stick to the game plan. We're going to, and that's where things got a little bit muddy. And that is where they dropped some results. Um, They also changed their center back pairing in the middle of the season. And that is a choice to make. And I I've said this actually on this podcast before that I don't really think that Megan Oyster did anything to deserve to get benched. Um, And those two, her and Katie Naughton had been playing together in with such consistency that even like when Abby Dahlkemper came in, Katie Naughton said that she accidentally called her Megan a couple of times on the field because she was so used to having Mm -hmm. Megan Oyster with her. And you're right. They rotated outside backs. They never really got um, a defined route, you know, role there. Um, And, and I think the other thing too, that, and I don't know how you fix this because I'm not, not a high level coach, but they'd have these great moments. Like even like I think of Nichelle Prince's year this year, I thought it was really strong, but mm-hmm. it didn't turn into these full team results. Again, like you said, Rachel Daly had a very, had a very good second half of her season. Um, and so then maybe here's, here's the one final, final question about Houston for you is looking at the group, this group of players, they are clearly a team that on their best day, Nobody wants to play. They can literally beat anybody in the league when they're really clicking. We've also maybe seen that they're not the best group for a regular season campaign. Do you, as the Houston Dash, think we need a couple more really steady, maybe not flashy, little bit boring players to stick into the spine of this team to help them with the grind going into next year? I don't I think they do have all the pieces I really think it's like planning and game planning because as you mentioned like Houston at their best are a high pressing counter-attacking team and they've built their team so they can play really effectively in that style but I think it's when all of a sudden you want to go and um like all of a sudden possess (laughs) you're just like I want to possess I want to build up out of the back I want to build up through my wings instead of being like we are a high press counter-attacking team and we're going to 
you know, stick with that the entire season. And I understand like, you know, maybe tweaking it, like tweaking one or two things going into a game to like potentially try to neutralize your opponent's attack um, or like neutralize a few of your own opponent's players. But I feel like it is too much wavering back and forth between do we want to play out of the back um, really build through, or like, do we just want to be high pressing counterattacking team? And so I think once they figure that out, the players, or like, I mean, if they want to completely switch to a possession pace style, maybe you want to switch out your players. Right. A little but bit, if you but... feel okay with the game plan, right. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. it's like, if you want to stay counterattacking, yes. high press counterattacking, you have the players to do that. You just yeah. need to like, to me, um, it's almost the type of thing of like getting out of your own way, like let your players play their game. Yeah. No, I agree. I think if, if I 100% agree, and I think even if you stick with James Clarkson and, and I'm not sure that this, this isn't even a, a late season collapse. It was just, it, it didn't came down to the wire and they weren't able to do it, but yeah, that's a conversation that you have. If you're running this team, you, with that coach, you say, if you stay, what is your vision for who this team is? And are you commit? Are we collectively committed to that with the understanding that it might not work all the time? but we're not going to switch things up in a panic. And I think that, I think that that is, is one of the things they have to look at. I think they have a lot of things they have to look at going into the off season, but I am surprised. I thought the dash were going to be in the playoffs this year. Even just when we saw them play some games this season, they have been so good indicative of the league though, kind of a topsy turvy year, very competitive. Um, Any final thoughts on Houston? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I just think it's kind of unfortunate that they didn't make it. Um, But also in true NWSL fashion, that means that North Carolina is in (laughs) and things are just going to continue being messy. Yes. So let's jump right to North Carolina. So North Carolina, they I said it on the podcast last week. I said, I don't think they can do it. And I I will own that. Um, And uh, to be fair, they didn't win. It's not like they won in Portland. They did not (laughs) win. but they did not lose. Um, and I respect them for that. And I think that we saw even, I don't, I don't know if you got to see it, Courtney, the, the post game availability with, with Sean Nahas, uh, the, the interim coach. And it just seems like that group, not everything is working for them right now. They know that it, they don't have all the pieces. It's, it's not perfect, but they have at least found a bond from, from this, this roster that I think they're very committed to playing to one another. And I think that's what we saw in Portland this weekend was it wasn't perfect. The attack was a little bit of a mess. You had some of their best players. Jessica McDonald was very, very active. Dabinia was very active. Lynn Williams was trying to get into the game, but they couldn't find each other. And when that happens, that's when you look at a team and you say, this team is very talented, but I don't think they go out onto the field and they feel confident about what they're able to do which is very different from, from North Carolina right now. Like, are, okay, maybe here's my first question. Is North Carolina the real underdog now? Have we reached it? I, I guess so. Like, I guess they are, but it's, it's wild to think of. It's, right? Yeah, it's, it is super wild to think of. And also thinking, for example, about their past season, it was very much a, okay, they, I like, for example, I remember the challenge cup where it was like their vibes were just you guys are going to like, we'll concede three goals, but then we'll score four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. It's like no, no, no defense, all vibes. (laughs) Um, But thinking about, for example, their season that they did, I feel like for a very long time had, um, you know, like really, really good stretches. And it was like, Oh yeah, North Carolina is going to solidly be in the playoffs. And then, you know, obviously off like off field stuff happened and it really, I don't know, to me, like I'm, 
I guess I'm a little bit, I mean, sorry, let me phrase going into the season, obviously, for example, losing a player like Crystal Dunn. And -hmm. then at the time, for example, at the time, also not having Sam Mewis, Mm -hmm. um, we knew that like North Carolina was going to look different. Like yeah. naturally, like when you lose Crystal Dunn, you're you're gonna look different. You're just also just not gonna be as good of a team because there's <laughs> like, no replacing her, right? Like yeah. quite simply, like you're yeah. gonna look different. Um, but I thought for you know large parts of the season that they would you know find ways to get it done. But I think like uh, like um you know off season trades, but also for example not having Sam Mewis healthy the entire time has just mm-hmm. not panned out super well for them, which like makes sense. Like we've right. seen a lot of teams lose um you know some of the spine of their team or their you know their star players and like having to find ways to kind of eke it out but I think I don't know it's the postseason and they know for example maybe we can just turn it on for four games like we're not thinking about the long stretch of the season it's like we just need to win right here and right now yeah and they've been there before right many times you know a lot of the players on that team not all of them right because there are some new faces but uh a number of those players know exactly what it takes to win in crunch time. And yeah, I, you know, you're right that their season has, has been, if there was any team you would say that really slid into the postseason, you would say it was North Carolina because they haven't won a game in quite a long time. Um, and actually that tie in Portland um, was breaking a losing streak. It was their first non-loss in a while. And that began actually before the dismissal of their head coach. So, so they've been kind of struggling on the field even before they had to deal with a lot of other things. They've been kind of leaky. I mean, it's like the challenge cup, like we said, like mm-hmm. their, their defense and transition has never really improved. And then they started to struggle scoring goals. And so that is where things started to fall apart for them a little bit. Um, but I don't know. It, is it, is it like the aura of North Carolina that I still go, oh, I don't know if I'd want to play them though in the playoffs. I'm not sure. What do you think it is? <laughs> I honestly I do think it is the aura. Like yeah. um, I feel like we've joked, it's like you don't let North Carolina feel like they're an underdog because it's just going to rally them. Like they're right. just going to be like, Yeah, we're gonna come and steamroll you. Um, but also at the same time, like I think they're let's say maybe their main steamrollers aren't there to like right. I think really punish teams. So yeah. It is a bit of an aura and like, obviously you don't want to play them in the postseason, but in, I guess all the previous iterations of North Carolina, you'd probably want to play this one. That is very true. Right. And I, the other thought that I have had is um, I think we heard from Sam Mewis, I think it was two weeks ago. She, she uh, defined herself as a couple weeks away from being able to rejoin the team. They might just run out of time with her. Um, I have no idea where she's at with her recovery, but I can certainly say that in terms of game fitness, I'm sure she's not not going to be full 90 fit probably until if North Carolina maybe makes it to the final, she might be able to to play that. So, and that's the piece, right? You watch North Carolina and you think, oh, if Sam Mewis were here, a lot of this would improve. And going into a quarterfinal against Washington, assuming they're still not going to have her, and also seeing just the really nice games that Washington are putting together. And we'll talk about them a little bit more in a second. It seems like a little bit of a long shot. It seems like they did quite well to make the playoffs. Right. And then we'll see what happens in the quarterfinals. Um, yeah. I don't know any, so I'm just going to hit you with any final thoughts on, on North Carolina's regular season streaky. They were really doing quite well, struggling lost pieces that they never quite got back, but they have to be happy making it above the line after the year that they've had. 
Oh, 100%. I mean, Lynn Williams, uh, after the final whistle, Lynn Williams tweeted, thank you, my Washington sisters. And I, I said, know. this is jokes. I'd love to see this. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah. oh, but I also think with North Carolina, you know, for example, the game I'm most thinking about, for example, was the ga- their game against Gotham, which like, to be fair, isn't always fair because Gotham at times has like... <laughs> the best right like the best record of not conceding goals that it's like yeah they probably should have scored and it just quite simply did not happen sure. yeah um and so it's like to me and even for example at portland like what they had a goal called off jess mcdonald hit the post at like in the very depth death of the game um and so it's like so to me it's like they have the way they play a game is almost kind of like their season as a whole where they'll have like really really good stretches where it's mm-hmm. like oh yes this is like the north carolina that we're used to but then you'll also see like uh, like this isn't exactly what we're used to yeah yeah right it that sort of it's hard because who they used to be was a team that was truly unrelenting and so inconsistency in 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 many ways is unlike them because the whole point was that it was just constant constant waves of pressure um which they are able to do sometimes now but not but not always uh but yeah no i i'm very happy for north carolina I feel very bad for Houston and and their fans that this was always going to, uh, this was always going to be a heartbreaker for one team. And it just ended up being the dash. So let's talk one more team before we uh, move to part two, we're going to go into, you are the expert. You're the resident Gotham FC (laughs) expert here. So, okay. I did laugh a little bit in, in, you know, not in a necessarily happy way, but the, The playoff picture was expanded to six teams and what we got was five teams who have been in the playoffs before recently and one real new one from, from, for a while. And, and we thought maybe we would see Houston and that would have been their playoff debut. And that would have been amazing, but we didn't get that. The, the real debutante, not debutante. They were in the playoffs in 2013, but it's been a long time. Gotham. So, they have to feel very good. However, looking at what their potential goal tally could have been maybe two or three games ago versus where it's ended up. They are now they're in fifth. They're going to travel for their quarterfinal. It seemed like it was likely maybe just a couple games ago that they would be hosting one. Um, How how do you feel about where Gotham's at right now? It's good, but it it maybe could be better. What are your thoughts? Yeah. And I mean, so I think the way I feel about it, like it's good, but also I think for a long time, it was like they, there were the initial expectations for Gotham or like for the, for the season, you know, for example, kind of coming out of the challenge cup, I would say most people were like, yeah, making like a solid playoff spot, like let's say somewhere four through six is like a great goal for them. But I think over the course of the season, when those expectations were kind of expanded, like even three games ago where it was like if they pick up nine points yeah. and oh well rain loses right or like ties or something like that like they're going to like get a bye yeah. and get right. to the semifinal yeah. right um which i think for a lot of people was like very surprising thinking how this team has kind of um like you know performed in years past things like that and i think for gotham like they do have i think a lot of the momentum has changed a little bit in terms of we thought, oh, they're going to go out and at least win, like easily win one of these games. Like I did the math early on and I was like, especially, yeah, right. Right. And it was like, I did the math super early on of like, here are 
all the chaos like here's Mm -hmm. some playoff scenarios and i threw in some ones that were just complete chaos but kind of fun to calculate um but i was like the minimum gotham needs three points they just need to win one of these games or tie three of them yeah if you would ask me a week ago or like two weeks ago if they would tie all three i'd be like no right like something will happen um but i think now there were a few things one and that was actually pointed out um scott parkinson mentioned in his press conference today that they'd been on the road for like over a month and then i looked back and i was like oh they have been on the road for over a month and i think if this if this stretch was not we're not leading into the playoffs people would be like oh gotham is doing really really well but i think it was the super like the expectations of the games in hand yeah yeah but i also thought about you know in preparations for these games i looked at um highlights from the racing oval match earlier in the season and also the kansas city match earlier in the season they're both draws but i was like at points gotham like kind of got played off the ball and then mm. um either had you know a piece of ify br- uh, brilliance or midge brilliance or something like that that like got them a goal to get an equalizer mm-hmm. um so yeah for me for gotham they had they're like good vibes going forward but i think it's not necessarily the best time to plateau a little bit sure so so maybe maybe this is this is a good a good question then there are there are different kinds of momentum draws right there's there's a draw where you save a point from a losing position or draws where you dominate, but you just like, can't get that goal. And we've seen Gotham get some good wins, but they are a, a big draw team. I think they ended with 10 or 11 draws this season. A 11. Lot, a lot. I don't know that's, if that's an NWSL record, it but might it might be. be. Oh God. I remember Chicago did a similar thing in 2018. It's hard to cover. Cause you're like, what's happening. Is this good? Is this bad? What is it? But um, for in your, in your estimation, it sounds to me like, and I agree, like maybe during the Olympic break, especially when, when Mitch Purse was also out injured, it was like Evie Omaanimani was like keeping them in it. Like she was, it was, she was the person making sure that, that Gotham was picking up some points. Um, in recent weeks, it feels like it's been the opposite spectrum where they've been playing quite well, but they just can't close the game out or they can't get that next goal. Is it better for those draws to be coming from that sort of an idea, that winning position, that dominating position, because you're playing well, but you're running out of time to kind of put it all together, I guess is maybe the issue. I don't know if you feel like these draws are better. I mean, they're, they are better draws technically maybe than the ones they were getting in the middle of the season, but it, it's, it points to different problems, right? Maybe. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, I think part of it, for example, over the past three games, Estelle Johnson has been out. Um, either away for, for example, international duty, um, or I think recently she may or may not have been like a little bit sick, like with a stomach bug or something like that. Um, and so I think like part of that obviously factors into why they're conceding, but also thinking like, I've been thinking a lot about the goals they've been conceding. And I know that this, like the season long headline of Gotham is like, they somehow don't concede insane goals when they Mm -hmm. should. Um, but I feel like a lot of it, uh, a lot of the goals they're conceding are besides there it's either a worldie or they there's like um a defensive mistake that leads to a penalty like i don't or except for that one louisville goal where they got hit on the counter which i feel like for the first time in a long time was like oh gotham just got sliced open in a way that we're not used to seeing yeah but i would say for these ties it's probably a little bit of not necessarily the greatest feeling because i feel like for a long time the t- the draws that they were getting especially if they were for example one one it would be a 
okay, we're coming from a losing position and now we finally got our equalizer. We feel good about this mm-hmm. as opposed to now it's mostly been, Hey, we were like really flying and now something took the wind out of our sails. Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you, here's I, this question's kind of loaded and <laughs> so answer however you would <laughs> okay. like. Okay. This is my one loaded question of the podcast. So the, the, the Carly Lloyd train, uh, keeps keeps them moving right so there was the big we, we decided not to talk about it because what's there really to talk about but uh the the friendly her last u.s game was last week very big long ceremony there she got a very she got a very long standing ovation when she left the field um and it seems like we're kind of slowly uh you know taking off boxes in that respect right there's last u.s game and then the last Gotham there was the Gotham away game and then now the last Gotham home game and going into this playoff game possibly the last game of her career um do you think that's distracting to the team possibly or do you think maybe it takes the pressure off of some of the other players because she's the one that's going to get probably the most focus honestly that's a really good question (laughs) um I think I don't know if I would say it's necessarily distracting, but I do, th- I do think that it's almost, I wouldn't necessarily like call it like a cloud over their head, but it's just kind of like always in the background. It's always there. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Right. Like, like in the kind of, I wouldn't call it the send off game, but you know, in her last uh, NWSL, let's say regular season game. And then she made, uh, as we've seen several times before, just like a little speech after. And she, she jokes saying like, this is like my eighth send off. Yeah, <laughs> and it's right. like, it has been at least yeah, eight send-offs yeah. um, and kind of culminating in this moment. And I think, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a distraction, um, but it's just kind of like something going on in the background. But yeah, it's just kind of something going on in the background. I don't think it's uh, something that like the other players are necessarily thinking about, but almost I just think it's on the minds of a lot of other people. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. I'm not going to ask for any predictions. We'll get into that in the second half. Um, so that was our, <laughs> that was our talk of teams, teams seven, six, and five, which seems like that's really the most important stuff. Cause that's where the big decisions got made. We will talk about the top four teams and, and just a little bit, uh, uh some stuff at, at the bottom of the table. We had a very exciting brand reveal, um, which we'll get into. We'll get into in part two. Uh, we love names. We love names. Uh, so this has been part one of the equalizer podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to part two of this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. As always, I am your host, Claire Watkins. This week, I am joined by Courtney Stith. Real quick, I'm going to do the thing I do every single week, and I'm going to ask you to rate and review this podcast. Give us five stars. Give us a nice rating. It helps people find us, and I appreciate it. Okay, we're going to keep it rolling. We're going to talk top four. Now, this is the traditional postseason spot for, for the NWSL and I call myself old fashioned two years ago. Uh, I, I do rate, I rate getting top four. I think that I, one of the things that I always liked about the NWSL is that making the postseason was always a very hard thing to do because of the way it cut off just with four teams. And so I like that. I'm really happy that it got expanded, but I think every team that made this top four should be very happy with their season. So let's talk Chicago first. Let's talk about Chicago. So the red stars were never in 
the worst position in the world on the table. They were always in the running. They were always actually a little bit like on top or tied of this middle of the pack group. But it really took four wins out of their last five games for them to clinch this. And some of it was strength of schedule. Two of those games were against Orlando. One of them was against Kansas City. But that was not guaranteed, I think, before they went into this stretch. And these games are not bangers. The Chicago Red Stars are not a banger kind of a team. <laughs> but they were the one team at, you know, at the beginning of this weekend, they got the job done in Orlando and they got to kind of chill, right? And so it's a job well done in that respect. So maybe, Courtney, did you think watching Chicago, I mean, Chicago gets thumped, right? Five to nothing at the beginning of the season. They have a couple really bad losses. Their challenge cup was atrocious. Still make top four. Um, I don't know. Very slow and steady wins the race, kind of. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Chicago? Yeah, I feel like it's definitely slow and steady wins race. I did forget about that 5-0 thumping from Portland. Um, That was a, I feel like that was a wild game because all the goals happened in like 10 minutes and it was like, oh no, (laughs) this is not pretty. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, I definitely think it is a slow and steady wins race. I think in particular, I mean, Mal Pugh has been on fire. Mm -hmm. Her on the pitch is just electric to watch. Um, and I think also Chicago's back line. Look, I'm a Sarah Gordon stan. I oh, think yeah. Sarah Gordon has had such a spectacular season. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that she's like, I'm just going to shut down all of your great attackers. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, they're, no, it's quite simply not going to happen. Um, that's really been one of, like, one of the, to me, biggest standouts of the Chicago season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, Sarah Gordon was the first red star in, in Chicago in NWSL history. I don't, I have to admit, I don't know if the history goes back to WPS, but she was the first red star in NWSL history to play every single minute of the NWSL regular season. And um, I can tell you that she played most of that extra game too against PSG. So she, <laughs> she was, was killing it. Then she shut down Diani. Yeah. It was the one time she got subbed was at the very end of that game. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that you look at Chicago and the things that they need to work on for next year are still obvious. It's still a lot of attacking cohesion. It's They still don't really have a number nine, and they still have a system that's really dying for one. Um, they didn't change, didn't their, change formation their formation when, when Sam Kerr left, so it seems like a lot of times they're still trying to feed a person that is not there. Um, but the stuff that they're good at, has just kind of become a sharper and sharper point as the season has gone on. And that includes what Mallory Pugh is able to do on the ball. Kaylee Watt has been able to get a couple in the back of the net recently, a couple really important goals. And like you said, that center back partnership between Sarah Gordon and Tierna Davidson is new in the grand scheme of things because they haven't had Julie Ertz all year. And that is a very exciting development because Davidson is sort of your young up and coming, you know, U.S. Women's National Team uh, center back. And then Sarah Gordon has, those two have very different roles back there. Their, their physical profiles are very different. And they, Tina Davidson controls a lot of the distribution. And Sarah Gordon is asked to do a lot of 1v1 defending. And she's really good at it. Um, really good at it. Yes, she's really good at it. Uh, you're, you watch her and you're like, wait, how is she going to get out of this one? And <laughs> She does it and you're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And and so I don't know, Chicago is an interesting one to me because 
I think if they had not made this top four and gotten a home semifinal, I think it would be really easy to call this season a write-off because there was some stuff there that wasn't amazing, but they're very good at, that team is very good at understanding exactly what an NWSL regular season is and kind of the opposite of Houston, never letting it get the highs get too high and the lows get too lows and they get to host a game, which is great. Great for them. Um, well, we'll get into, we'll get into quarterfinal predictions in a little bit, but yeah, I don't know if there's anything more to say about Chicago other than, like you said, some really nice individual performances. And it does seem like, that foundation that they have in the back line in the midfield is carrying the day a little bit. Um, the question will be if they haven't really played somebody else in the playoffs in a long time, except they did go to all rain recently and they did lose. So I, I would say that my big question mark for Chicago is just, they haven't played any of these other teams in, in quite a while. They did get a good win against Portland, but that was at home. So we'll see what they can do. We'll see what noise they can make in the playoffs. Um, Cool. Yeah, and with the oh, so and with the NWSL, I mean, even if you're not playing a team that's made in the playoffs, those are still hard games. Like that game against Orlando, like yeah, I mean, Orlando was in the thick of it really till the almost the very end. So they're, <laughs> I feel like they're prepared to make a solid playoff run. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, and, and they're another team that kind of knows how this goes, right? They're, this is they've they've done this sort of thing before. They've been very good at home this year. Many, many of their wins have, have come at home. So that I think is also a big positive for them having a good shot playing a team like Gotham, who I actually think, I think Chicago and Gotham have more in common than people think that is going to be a pretty evenly matched game. And so them having home field advantage, I think will be, will be a huge asset for them. Um, Okay. Let's keep going. We're going all the way to the top, the Washington spirit. So the spirit were alive for a semifinal by Kind of. It, they, it was dependent on the OL rain result, and, and the rain did get a comprehensive, truly, 3 nothing win over Kansas City. Uh, we'll talk about who can, the name of Kansas City in a second. Uh, but the Spirit also got the job done, and, and I think that that is, that is interesting to me as well, which is the Spirit, they needed to win this game to clinch home field. Um as it turns out, because Gotham did not beat Louisville today, they wouldn't have needed a win, but they didn't know that at the time. Um, and they basically played a playoff game against the Houston Dash, and they won it, which seems like really important momentum for them going into quarterfinal that they will be hosting at Audi Field. Uh, Courtney, tell me about Trinity Rodman. <laughs> Trinity Rodman has haunted because it's Halloween themed. Yeah, that's right. Has haunted many <laughs> a defender in the NWSL. Mm-hmm. She is honestly, like, to me, a very clear rookie of the year. Like, oh, yeah. I honestly can't think about any- of anyone else, but just her quality on her ball, on the ball, her runs, her intelligence, like, also things like her, like, quite simply, like, her balance. Like, mm-hmm. she gets hit all the time. She gets nudged off the ball, basically doing everything someone can to try to get her off the ball and it just like sticks to her like glue she is so so good like i it's almost like you don't want to hype up an 18 year old because you're like they're 18 like right give them some space but also at the same time like she slid right in to that washington starting line and just did not give up her spot i think the thing for me jumping off of that because i agree with everything that you said i think when you do have a, a player that young um who is doing so well 
you're right. You don't want to place too many expectations on that player because she's going to have ebbs and flows. It's going to be, it's not going to be amazing all the time. It's not, it's not right to expect that. But when you have a player whose ability is so innate and like just such a part of just who they are as a player, you think, oh my God, they could do anything. Like there is the, the seal, there is no ceiling here for, for what she's going to be able to accomplish if, um, if she wants to ultimately. And that is so exciting. And yeah, I'm not sure I've ever seen a rookie of the year campaign quite like that one uh, where she just locked it up. Emily Fox has also been quite good, but Trinity Rodman has, has been exceptional and it was very fitting that she got the dagger in this one. Um, really calm finish. The, the thing about the, about the spirit though, that I also want to talk about, we talked about defense in Chicago, but the spirit, this part of this run for them has been based on, I think it's like two goals conceded in six games, really steady defense that happened around the same time as the coaching change. And it seems like this is not actually related to the off the field things with Richie Burke at all. This is purely just the coaching stuff. It seems like his defense with the new additions of like Emily Sonnet and and Kelly O'Hara was not very balanced and they have found a way to balance that defense out and really lock things down. And that's huge, especially at the tail end of an, of an NWSL season. If your defense can really start shutting things down, you're going to have a good run. Um, and then I thought, like we, we were talking about this before we started, the integration of, of Tegan McGrady today was also really, really helpful. I thought she had a great game. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Thoughts on maybe my my other question about Washington, just because I, I think that this is relevant, is thoughts on the spine. And if you feel like you've seen any changes once they started sort of making this this run of of good games, maybe six or seven games ago. Yeah, I think part of it is players coming into good form. I think Ashley Hatch just like really just started hitting a strut like a good stride in her season and scoring a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think part of it is kind of shoring up the defense um, at times. Like, I mean, we've seen this, for example, even with Kelly O'Hara, for example, at the national team level of getting, for example, pulled out of position yeah. teams kind of targeting things like that. And so I think um, that is also helpful in shoring up their defense. I, if I'm being honest, I think Andy Sullivan has quite simply just been playing lights out. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. just yeah. kind of always playing on 11 um, yeah. has also really helped. And then, when you're able to have a player like Andy Sullivan, who's so good at the six and then just being able to feed in also to me, all of their attackers are in good form. Like Ashley Sanchez, Ashley yeah. Hatch um, and Trinity Rodman. Like do you just um, to me, they've kind of really bonded as a group, maybe that we haven't necessarily seen before. And I think that bond um, and kind of unlike North Carolina, where it kind of seems like those spirit players, those front three always kind of know where each other are yeah has really led to um this their string of good results yeah i agree i totally agree like uh this that that game against houston you can i I did have nice things to say about houston's play in the first half but as the second half wore on you're like gosh if washington can just put one on frame because the the movement is there the passing is there the connectivity is there if you can get someone just to sink one then this game is going to be over. And then they did finally get that when Trinity Robin, that was a nice strike. It was where Jane Campbell was never going to get it. It was really, really nice. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I also agree that Andy Sullivan has been really steady for this team. And you're right that I think the role of the six, and I think we've actually seen a number of teams that have done well this season 
have strong six play. I think that that has been a huge, I, my, my concept of that actually got kind of messed up when Houston fell out. Cause I was going to say every team that made the playoffs <laughs> has had really strong <laughs> six play. Cause I thought that the dash did pretty well too, but um, yeah, it's amazing what it does to help your midfield and help the distribution and the attack. And especially when you have attacking midfielders and forwards that know how to move the ball, which it seems like that's something that the spirit have been working on for about two, three years is just really knowing where each other is in space that plus the defensive cohesion is making them really hard to play. So actually we're going to start getting into this a little bit. Now this is the group. This is the quarterfinal group, Washington, Chicago, Gotham, North Carolina. We'll just go ahead and say quarterfinal predictions. I'll say this. I'll go first. I I do think that Washington is going to beat North Carolina. I think that it's just a tough ask for North Carolina to go on the road again after being on the road this weekend with the personnel they have available to them and get the win against a Washington team that is playing really well. Chicago and Gotham is harder for me. I think I'm going with both home teams though. I think I might go with both home teams here, which is lazy in a way, but I'm struggling to find other differentiators between Chicago and Gotham. Um, For you, Courtney, we'll start with Washington, North Carolina. What do you think? I agree. I think uh, the spirit have just quite simply been in such good form. Also these two teams like played each other, not even a month ago. Um, And it happened to be, I mean, I know that game was kind of weird because like, even though North Carolina was going for it, they quite simply just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. But yeah, yeah, I think with the form that Washington is in general, like I quite simply think they're just going to be able to pull it off. Gotham, Chicago. I have been thinking about a lot yeah (laughs) because some of the things that i think for example gotham has like they haven't been spectacular in the in the past few games are easily remedied by estelle johnson for example coming back sure um but for example a question i have is will amani dorsey be back because to me that is a good yeah like well also chicago doesn't know if they're getting casey kruger back either and that will make a big difference as well because obviously gotham's wingers are really good so that that right. would be a major a major thing as well. Maybe yeah. this game is won um, just by whoever is at outside back and who has the best performance there at wing. Um, I mean, that would not shock me actually at all. The one game that Gotham beat Chicago this season was a monster game by Purse. Midge Purse had an amazing game. The the she got the penalty and I think she got another one mm-hmm. right in that game. Um, yeah, yeah. So maybe that's it. Maybe it is. It's one one on the wings, which is not probably what chicago would like to hear because that's (laughs) not usually the way they like to play but uh they'll they'll gum it up chicago's gonna do everything they can to disrupt what gotham's gonna try to do on the outside so i think this game grind i really do it could be a real grind um but who's your winner what do you think pick one i think i gotta go for gotham there's just something about the connection between yeah and midge and if like yeah if they just connect well on that day then i think it will like, I don't know. There's, there's just something so spectacular about the connection, but also on the flip side, I'm like, Gotham is, hasn't really rotated a bunch. So they might yeah. be extra tired. Yeah. Neither um, but Chicago, Chicago hasn't really either. So they're in, in yeah. luck there, but um, Chicago also had a little bit of a, a COVID situation in, in the past week. And so I think, I don't know if that will influence the quarterfinal, but it definitely influenced their game this weekend where they had some players not available. I think they did have to do some team wide, quarantining i'm not entirely sure what exactly happened there but they did have two players out on COVID protocol this weekend they expect to have those players back uh casey kruger they said they weren't sure if she'll be back or not but um yeah i i i agree that 
I would not bet against, you know, purse and, and Ani Manu for sure. Um, you know, I also, to be quite honest, would not bet against Carly Lloyd in a game like this one. <laughs> you know, she's going to be doing everything she can to whether it's working the refs or you know, <laughs> some very crunchy tackles or some headers or whatever to try to make this happen. So I don't know. Um, that one will be a good one, though. Or, well, it'll be a close one. I don't know if it'll be. I don't know if it'll be a classic. It'll be cold. But um, yes, I agree <laughs> on all that. Quarterfinals, so <laughs> let's talk about our top two. Let's talk about our top two. Um, OL Rain got the win that they needed. Big win, three nothing win uh, against Kansas City in Kansas City, which actually is not uh, a place where people have been able to go in and play very well. However, the Rain also play on a very narrow baseball field. So if there was any team that was maybe most equipped to go into Kansas oh, City so and and win, it would be them. And they really like that narrow field. Um, well, before we talk about the rain, we're probably not going to talk a ton about Orlando. Orlando, the only news really out of, out of Orlando is that uh, Becky Burley removed her name from consideration for the permanent spot in Orlando. Lots of question marks there. That is a roster that they're going to have to make some decisions about what they want to build around, who they want to bring in, all of that sort of stuff. Um, Racing Louisville got a couple really nice draws this week, showed a lot of character still a team with a number of roster holes. And we will also find out what's going on with their coaching situation. Um, you know, decent, decent first year for, for racing. I think just in the fact that they were able to get some of these points late, show some character, but we'll see, we'll see them next year. I think it's a little bit. <laughs> yeah. where I don't know if you have any thought. I mean, maybe we'll talk larger thoughts. You have any larger thoughts on Orlando or Louisville, or at this point, are you like, let's, give them some space and then we'll sort of see what they do in the off season. Uh, I'll, I definitely feel that way for uh, racing. I think for Orlando, they just need to find a way to build around St. LaRue. Like quite yeah, simply, like when she point. was in, yeah. when she was in a hot run of form, I mean, yeah. I genuinely joked that she played every position except mm-hmm. for goalie, because at times I would look up and she was literally a center back <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, I even just like to get even more specific, they need a midfield. They need, players who can get Sid LaRue the ball so that she doesn't <laughs> have to come back and play every position. And they, they played very direct at the beginning of the year. And then teams got better at playing for that game plan. So then they had to play through the middle and it didn't work. And so, um, yeah, yeah I, I think it's rare that I watch an Orlando game. And I think to myself, the attackers aren't doing enough. It's always just like they're on an Island out there and, and I, mm-hmm. they need to find people who can help them. But I agree. Yeah. Um, so the Ruse year that that's actually a really good point, which is that even though Orlando faded, that was a huge bright spot for them. And that's the kind of thing that should galvanize a team. And you think, okay, how do we keep this going moving forward for sure? Um, Yeah. And I would say the other thing about Orlando is also to me, like, I know sometimes their midfield was like whole, like Swiss cheese, but I also definitely felt at times there, some of their defenders, like, I think they need either their center backs need to adjust to the league um because i also felt at times that like i would even i would see <laughs> almost at times like the attacker dropping in the midfield the midfielders dropping into the back line to like kind of shore up bits of yeah. the defense <laughs> right. and so it's like for me they just need a maybe they just need to like create a new or a half of a new spine for the team yeah or even maybe last thought they had some young players on that back line that started out with some promise and then the development just stopped 
about halfway through Mm -hmm. the season. And so that is a coaching thing, right? It's just figuring out a coach that if you do think that these players are the ones you think like Phoebe McLernan or Courtney Peterson, if those are the players that you think have potential, but they need to get better. And so who Mm -hmm. is going to do that for them, I think is another another point for them um for louisville well you know just because it's the end of the season what what are bright spots for you from from louisville do you think yeah i mean we brought up emily fox before like Mm -hmm. to me there were some matches where i was like she's playing lights out like Mm -hmm. even though the funny thing of she starts the outside back and then sometimes she turns up in the midfield sometimes she's a striker just weaving her way around the pitch yeah which sometimes it's kind of fun to watch but i think uh emily fox has definitely been a bright spot honestly i think all of their attackers have been bright spots um you know, Savannah McCaskill has played well. Yuki Nakasato, seeing the introduction of Ebony Salmon. Yes. I still think about that first goal where she just, honestly, sorry, Houston, but she just came and dunked on y'all immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> first two touches. Um, but also even the other players on their attacking line, uh, like Jorian Balcom has shown yeah. some really bright spots. Chana Matthews. Yeah, I'll never um, forget that goal that Jorian Balcom scored against Bayern Munich. I was there for that, and I was just like... You were there. I was How there. How we not talked about this before? We, yeah. That worldie in Wolfsburg? Oh, yeah. my world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think for Louisville, it's part of it, I think, is coaching, but I think they're also, for example, like, I think definitely at times their back line let them down a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and maybe some of their defensive midfielders. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it's just that same question. Spine. They just need a. They need a, a more solid spine in in the center in the center of not center like just the midfield, but center like centrally. They need center backs and and central defensive midfielders. Mm-hmm. Yep, agree. So final final kind of bottom of the table thing. This is why we flipped over is because I wanted to talk about Kansas City. I wanted to talk about the Kansas City dun da 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 current. That is their name, the Kansas City current. They announced that uh, on Saturday against OL Rain. This was their last game at Legends Field. Uh, thank you very much, Legends Field, for your service. Uh, we aren't so sorry to see you go, but we appreciated that you were there. Um, they'll be going to Children's Mercy Park next year, and then they did announce that they will be making their own stadium on the riverfront. Um, my thought on the name is that I don't place a lot of emphasis on names. I think it's perfectly fine. I don't find it offensive or hurtful in any way, which is a good place to start. Honestly, <laughs> 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 with American sports, that's facts. You never know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. I think that I like that they have the, they kept the teal. I think the badge looks pretty good. And yeah, I don't know any, we were kind of, I think the, my favorite thing about the name reveal is that, uh, everybody got their jokes off and, and I really immediately. Yeah. (laughs) There are so many, there are going, unfortunately, there are going to be so many jokes. Yes. With the current, you can make jokes on the actual name current, the, you can make water-based jokes. They're just, unfortunately, there are going to be jokes quite simply everywhere for the rest of their existence. Yes. There's going to be someone will make a joke with that name. Yeah, some healthy roasting. Um, the one that sticks with me though is like for whatever reason, I keep thinking Kansas City Current FM, like a radio station playing the Honestly, hits. Honestly, facts. Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, like put it at a what like ninety five point one Current. Yeah, exactly. FM. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they should do that. They should get on the radio, Kansas City. Um, <laughs> amazing. It was good. It, you know, the vibes in Kansas City are good. They've had a rough season. Um, they are another team that I think they should take a hard look at their manager. Um, but all, all the signs are positive. All the signs are positive for sure. And, it, and we said this last week, but it is starting to feel a little bit like 
they are they are becoming their own team rather than just kind of feeling like a team that got moved very last minute. And I think that that's very positive. Okay, so flipping back yeah, up, I agree to the top. Oh yeah, I sorry, I should have asked. Any any thoughts on Kansas Kansas City other than just you know big big reveal? Um, I think they should have used one of our uh, ridiculous names for them. Yes, go steamrollers. Go steamrollers. But eels eels was a good one. I liked eels. a lot. Yeah. The two state solution. Look, they had two stars on that badge. Listen, and so they, we were same, same brain. Um, but I think, you know, yeah, the name it's not offensive. Um, like it seemed the players seem to like it, but also I think everything else that they're doing with that club is really great. Like a 70, what a $70 million training facility, yeah. brand new stadium. Um, and also stadium downtown close to local transit, which we know, for example, has been problems for other NWS and like other NWSL markets. Mm-hmm. So they're doing all the right things. I agree. Um, yes, I think probably we'll talk about this more in the off season. They are uh, exempt from the expansion draft. Potentially. Yes. Is, is that still a tradable that. asset? It's still a tradable asset. The thing about Kansas city though, is their, their best player right now is their goalkeeper. And so I think that they have a lot, they have a lot to do. I trust that they will do it. Um, so let's flip back up to the top two. So we're not going to be talking about them next week. Cause they're not going to be playing. Congratulations to oil rain and the Portland thorns. Uh, Thorns had, like we talked about this a little bit, Thorns had their, their shield celebration. They set a record NWSL record for most, um, clean sheets in an NWSL season. The one caveat I will put into that is I don't know if that counts the three nil forfeit that they got from the Washington spirit or not in spirit though. I, I, I guess I like it for them. I do like the Portland defense a lot. I think they were all again, very good against North Carolina who were pushing quite hard. Um, O.L. Reign's going to get to host a semifinal on that baseball field, which I'm going to be honest, I don't love for television. Going to be good for them, though. They really like playing on that narrow field. Uh, So we're not going to get into two specifics with these two teams because we'll see them again in a couple weeks. But this is the first time we've had playoff buys in in the NWSL. Uh, Better. So we've seen, we even saw it this year, WNBA, right? Sometimes taking the weekend off can throw you out of sync a little bit. Would you rather host a quarterfinal and keep the ball rolling or get that buy and host, host a semifinal? Do you think? I guess we'll kind of have to see how it works first, I guess. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it depends on momentum. So if you're maybe like on a skid or maybe like you're either you're leaking goals or, I mean, none of neither of these teams are, but maybe if your offense isn't clicking super well, you might want to take that week to regroup. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for example, for OL Rain, they just like thrashed Kansas City 3-0. Yeah. So I would almost want to like continue that momentum. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing uh, that we know about this playoff structure is that they're not going to recede, meaning that OL Rain assuming the Washington spirit beat North Carolina, that's going to be Washington versus OL rain um, because Portland is locked in on playing the winner of the fourth versus fifth uh, semifinal. So Washington is one of the teams that did actually beat OL rain recently. Um, do you think that these teams and, and I mean, Chicago, I mean, Chicago beat Portland relatively recently too, but I have to admit, I think that, Chicago playing Portland in Chicago is very different than Chicago playing Portland in Portland. Um, looking at these teams, three, four, five, and six, Washington, Chicago, Gotham, North Carolina, which of these teams do you think could knock off 
Oh, while Rain are the Portland Thorns. Uh, just based on recent form, the spirit. Yeah, I mean, that seems right. It's again, it's because they're so balanced. They have so many different ways to beat you. They can stop you from scoring and they can they can get ones on you. I will say that the Thorns, despite being, they're the shield winners, right? They had the best season in the in the league. Their goal scoring is, I think, a concern at this moment. And it's not because they're not getting chances, it, but they're not putting them away. And mm-hmm. it's, again, the kind of thing where, oh, that will come with time, but they're running out of time. So I think if there is going to be a team that knocks Portland off, um, whether it's Gotham or I would be shocked if it was Chicago, but if, you know, who knows? Gotham went to Portland and played them quite close, right? A once upon a time. Uh, I mean, technically Gotham has the the head-to-head over the rain. Gotham secretly has a head-to-head over 20 teams in this yeah. league. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, um, but yeah. yeah, no, Gotham, they're gamers. They're gamers. They're, they're always, they're always in it. Um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, if I think if a team can come in and beat Portland, it's going to be because Portland can't score. And that's not going to be necessarily because they get beat by another team. It's going to be because they beat themselves. So we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Um, so now that we've kind of reached the end of our full league conversation, I'm just going to ask you because you're on the podcast and I want to ask you uh, just some of the superlatives for the for the end of the year because we did finish the regular season this weekend. Uh, who are your MVP faves? It doesn't have to be one person. It can be a couple. But who's really stuck out to you as MVP level this year? Yeah, I have a few players in mind. One, as we mentioned, Sarah Gordon. Mm-hmm. I think if I'm being completely honest, I don't know where, like how Chicago would be without her just being such a stalwart on that back line. And yeah. like in terms of the baseline of being a defender and like, I want to shut down every attacker that comes my way. She has almost done it to every single attacker in mm-hmm. this league. Uh, so to me, she's put together a really strong campaign. Um, another player that I don't think a ton of people have been talking about, but to me has been also just kind of a stalwart is Angela Salem yes. has just had a really, yeah. really good season quite simply. Right. Um, it's like, to me, it's almost like a thing of never t- like, taking a step wrong mm-hmm. uh, and then to bring it back to Gotham for me, even though I know a lot of people were going to bring up Mitch to me, it's Ifiana Manu. Like yes. to me, Gotham is not in this situation that they're in of for it, like being fifth um, without Ify just, especially for that Olympic stretch. Yes. Constantly hunting for a goal. She was like, I don't care. I'm going like, yeah. I will score a goal and keep my team in this. And so it doesn't matter where are... you play me on that front line. I'll be outside. I'll be inside. Doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, actually, that's a really good point because I, I think obviously Mitch Purse has had a very good year. She was out for a number of weeks, almost the equivalent of being out for the Olympics with that injury. Um, and I would say, with purse, I, I think, yes, she's, she's been wonderful, but I'm not sure these, she's the MVP of her team. I would say that's on Imanu. So, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I think that when you talk about MVPs of the whole league, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, yeah. And Angela Salem has been a rock back there. We talked a lot about sixes and, and she's been really impressive for Portland. Okay. Then last question here, who wins, who wins the whole thing? of this group so we know that some of them have easier roads than others right two teams only have to win one game and they're in the final i mean let's win two games and they win the whole thing final is in louisville it is not in portland it has been moved to a true neutral site who wins oh well rain yeah to me the the clicking i have like i've talked about alana cook before but to me if we're talking about like Maybe if you did like an unsung hero, let's say of every team mm-hmm. to me for all rain, Alana cook is there. She is 
been so solid, but also you have Fishlock, Marjan, like Lathan, like the list goes on yes. <laughs> on that team. Sophia Huerta building out of that back line, like yeah. Um, to me, they're they're the ones to beat. That would be very exciting. I think first first time they would win win the NWSL championship, which is wild at this point. But um, yeah, so it seems like it, it the final it will either be. Portland, Chicago, or Gotham versus either OL Reign, Washington, or North Carolina. And so I think you get OL Reign on this side against, I'm going to be honest, I think it might be a Cascadia final, which again would be very exciting, I think. Um, the vibes and would be in this season has kind of tipped rain. It's tipped rain. So I, uh, I'm with you. I think OL Reign is so hard to beat. Um, that's the biggest thing is just, they have so many different ways to beat you. And they're so hard to stop is I think the other thing, it's not just that you, because they have been, their defense has been stretched uh, through parts of this season, but it's not just that you yourself can't execute against them. It's that, how do you stop them? How do you stop them Mm -hmm. from, from scoring on you? And I think that's really hard to do. Um, somebody asked the Washington spirit. They're the people who did it most. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's to me, that's it. And also thinking about who like, you know, we love talking about like players that show up in big championship moments or have, for example, big championship experience. That old rain side has huge championship experience. I mean, you have That's two championship so winners on many uh, levels. Yeah, right. <laughs> you have World Cup winners, Olympic, like Olympic gold medalists. Like yeah. to me, there's uh, you got, you got champions. Of- you got Champions League winners. You've got yeah, it's you've got uh, uh, you know, you've got French League winners you, on from multiple teams. It's a lot of winners on that team. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, if it's like, oh, if they make it to the final, like, I think for them, it's going to be, it's ours to win. And I also know that Laura Harvey will be blasting Adele all around the corner, which I hope she does after the match. Because I think the time she did that before a match, they were a little sleepy. And it's like, I was going to say, yeah, maybe, maybe not the the, Adele Adele single that's out right now. We don't, she needs, she needs the Adele like club remix to play before the game. And then after the game, you can listen to the original is what I think. Right. 100%. Awesome. I dig it. I dig it. I, I think you're right. I think that we got six strong teams. I think that the playoffs are going to be awesome. Everybody check them out. November 7th, we have the quarterfinals, following week semifinals, and then the week after that final in Louisville. We are in the home stretch, finally, of a very long year. But the soccer has been good this weekend. It will hopefully be good next weekend. And we'll keep chatting about it. Courtney, thank you so much for joining me this week. Awesome to have you on. Uh, I have been your host, Claire Watkins. Shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy, and our distributor, Blue Wire Podcasts. We'll be back with you next week with semifinals set. So stay tuned, everybody.